Hi everyone, I just wanted to take a moment to thank some of our patrons for supporting us. Um, thank you to Sean Locke, Jana Loney, Dylan Beauchamp, Prozac Haven, Jupiter McIntyre, Connor Fox, Emery Silvers, Saffron, Neopet Graveyard, and Adrian Frisbee. Uh, and now on with the episode. And and, and if in 20 years you see more shit like Lil Nas X, don't be surprised. Because yeah. people are going to be copying him for years. I'm going to be copying him for years in that I am going to fuck the devil. <laughs> Hi, welcome to Lukewarm Takes. It's like hot takes, but worse. I'm Ford. And I'm Jack. And that... And, uh... Well, folks... <laughs> I was a little Curtis Connor joke. It's citizens of Curtis Town. I almost said citizens of Connor Town. That would have really, really gotten off on the wrong foot today. Um, uh, we kind of talked more about how we're doing uh, in the pre-show. Yeah, we also gave the the David update corner that was promised in the last episode in the pre-show. So if you want. Any more continued information on my father's opinions on media, um, you're gonna have to pay us. <laughs> David's thoughts ain't free. <laughs> David doesn't. David works under contract, and he said he <laughs> deserves a ten percent cut. <laughs> David, every- David Loney will not be compensated for his work, <laughs> um, but I will be. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. You're blood related. he's not getting any of our patreon money i'm not getting any of our patreon money no neither of us have been are getting paid uh ever yeah um Um, but our writers will be and our voice actors will also be apply to audition yeah audition apply (laughs) to voice act for nemesine (laughs) a podcast Nemesign, a podcast. Um, <laughs> We're really good at advertising ourselves. Yeah, getting our other getting our other things out of the way. We're brainrot underscore presents that's presents with no ease on all platforms of social media. Um, and if you hate the idea that we're affiliated with anyone else, uh, you want us to exist in a vacuum. We're lukewarm takes EC on Instagram. I'm bad at uh, subscribe to our Patreon, make a one-time donation on our fundraiser. Uh, all of the money goes towards paying people to create our audio drama, Nemesign. Woo! Wait, Ford. Huh? Did you ever respond to my asking you if Victor Algernon uh, believes in ghosts? Yes, I did. Does he? Uh, let me look at the answer real quick. Okay, uh, I wrote a whole monologue about how they don't believe in ghosts, but like they kind of do. Uh, I believe the exact answer was, no, you're absolutely correct. Vic is very much so in the camp of ghosts don't really make sense because it wouldn't really, it wouldn't it be more like a copy of your soul rather than the actual person? Plus, if you haunt the place you died, way more places would be haunted. And that's Great. their thought process. Okay. Uh, I think you've got it pretty on the nose. I was looking at the Okay, earlier. cool. Yeah, instead I went into like the philosophy of haunting. Um, I, I like how about that for a bit. We made Vic such an airhead in the funniest way possible. Yeah. I love them so very much. Victor Algernon, my beloved. And eventually, Victor Algernon, your beloved, dear listeners, donate to our fundraiser. (laughs) Ooh, that was smooth. Ooh, king of transitions. I'm like those those motherfuckers on TikTok with the hoodies. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what I'm referring to. Um, oh, you have news. I do, and I'm, I've been sitting here in anticipation. Because Taika Waititi was spotted in Sydney, Australia, with his girlfriend, Rita Ora, right? Yeah. And that should be the end of it. No, 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 no. Tessa Thompson was there, and they were kissing each other all at once. Oh my god! <laughs> Taika Tessa Rita Polycule? I think that's what's implied. Oh my god. I have the pictures. Here. That is the most beautiful image I've ever seen. Um, 
I also wow, wow, love wins. Um, and wow, love is truly winning. I do need to say the table that they're sitting at. You know the table in the Keanu Reeves meme. I think it's the same table. <laughs> I think it's the same place. <laughs> Um, that's beautiful, actually. <laughs> Do we have any other news besides Taika Rita Tessa Polycule? Apparently, today I also learned Brie Larson is his ex-girlfriend. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Why the, is like, that? The why? ways that celebrity couples are, like... I don't know, it's so strange when, like, celebrity couples happen and they're not, like, cast members from the same show or, like, people with the exact same job because you're like, these these two areas should not mix, but then they do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you all know each other? Because I forget that people hang out places that aren't movie sets. Right. Gosh, sorry. I'm trying to... De- I'm trying to deduce if... If there's anything else going on. Polycule deduction? No, wait, there is another piece of news. Oh. It's so good. Uh, (laughs) The the Hannibal fan art at the Capitol. Yes, the Hannibal. There is, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure everyone here knows, but for those of you who don't know, there was like an art competition and the winner is getting displayed in the U.S. Capitol building and the winner was a pubist Hanagram piece. And I do want to make it clear, this is like something they do every single year. Yeah. However, the winner of it this year is um this piece it's a beautiful art piece um it's Genuinely, just of will graham and hannibal lecter <laughs> it was done by a person named alistair uh alistair howard i believe that's a sexy name yes uh they used the incorrect name on the tweet but oh, alistair nice. alistair howard that is their name they are the one who did the who did Hannibal fan art that's going to be in the capital for the next year. That's uh, so excellent. I hope next year it's Destiel. God, that would be good. I hope that every year of Joe Biden's presidency, there is um gay fan art hanging on the wall of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, it's the future liberals want. It is. Ugh. <laughs> uh. What was I gonna say? Oh, yeah. is there uh, any other news? When's Loki coming out? June eleventh. June eleventh. So it's in like two it weeks. Will, it will be coming up soon, and it'll be really cool. Uh, and I know I'm gonna be a little, I'm gonna be a little bitch, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I can't believe I'm gonna have to sit, stand by in abject horror as all of my friends get back into the MCU. I don't think I'm gonna get back into it so much as I'm just going to like Loki. Mm. And that's gonna be about it. I'm you think like, that. You think that, but you have brain worms just like everyone else. I do, but also every every I, gay person who was gay in 2016 um has a has a parasite living in their brain that uh makes you like Marvel content. See, you say that, however. I've shown a very clear history of being a kind of person that only likes very specific characters in yeah. the MCU. Yeah, my, um, I, I have a tendency to get really into, like, minor characters. Um, like, my favorite characters in Umbrella Academy are Hazel and Cha-Cha. Um, mm-hmm. as you can see. I'm holding up my Hazel figure to the camera for Ford to behold. He's very Um, good. I like him a lot. Thank you. But (laughs) never has that manifested harder than um, in my MCU phase before Spider-Man Homecoming came out. um, I hyperfixated on MCU Hawkeye. Yeah, the man with only 20 lines. (laughs) In no personality. The, The white bread Jeremy Renner man. 
I was like, this is the guy I have decided to love. Whenever there's such good comics right there of him. Yeah, no, the reason that I read the Matt Fraction comics was because I really liked MCU Hawkeye. And then I read the Matt Fraction comics and I was like, the the movie version of this guy sucks. More of him, please. More of this Clint Barton. Um, Yeah, the Matt Fraction version is excellent. Yeah, I fucking love the Matt Fraction version. Um, And that's why the only uh, Marvel show I'm going to watch is the Hawkeye show. And I'm going to hate watch it. Because they're going to butcher the Matt Fraction comic. They already butchered it by casting Jeremy Renner. <laughs> yeah, because they don't even show. He looks like that, number one. Yeah. He looks like that. Number two. Uh, they also. I think that the thing is, as much as Catherine Langford kind of rubs me the wrong way because of 13 Reasons Why. Yeah. She was such a good pick for that role of kate barton correct he looks just like her yeah but oh oh it's gonna be bad oh boy there is also they refuse to openly acknowledge that hawkeye is deaf even though in the matt fraction comics that's like just a part of his character yeah no in the matt fraction comics i believe he goes deaf during the like run of the comics and there's like a whole issue that's dedicated to him learning sign language and like yeah learning how to navigate the world as a deaf person and like yeah, it, it's a part of him it's a part of his life yeah what i'm thinking they're probably gonna do is similar to umbrella academy where they're gonna do like a season uh collection um and so like they won't they won't have to address it in season one but like if they keep going it's gonna come up eventually because you're basing it off of comics where like that are based around Clint Barton being deaf. Yeah, like it's very much so about his experience as a deaf person. Yeah. And then you're not even casting a deaf actor. Yeah, you're casting Jeremy Renner, who is the most disappointing choice you could have possibly selected. Yeah. Um, Like if I had to choose between a birthday magician and Jeremy Renner to come to my birthday party. I would choose the birthday magician. <laughs> I would be like, oh, Jeremy Renner. Oh, okay. Uh, when when can the magician come? When's he available? And they're like, well, you know, Jeremy's available all day. No, no, no. When, no, 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 no. When, when's John the birthday magician available? <laughs> I'm picturing Jonathan Sims. <laughs> when, yeah, you can picture him. That would still be better birthday magician wait <laughs> a you were jonathan sims is a birthday magician and martin blackwood is a birthday clown it's the new tattoo shop flower shop <laughs> tim tim and sasha are um are disney prince and princess impersonators respectively Ooh. i just had the worst image in my head um, of, I was like, Tim Stoker as a Disney prince, but then instead of thinking of a Disney prince, I thought of Ronan from Sanders Sides, and then I was like, what if they cast Thomas Sanders to play Tim Stoker? Too many people have made that joke. It's bad. It's, it's not good. Yeah. Um, okay. Should we get into the actual episode? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say that there's... I was going to say that the other last piece of news is that there's going to be a new season of Rick and Morty, but who gives a fuck? So let's continue. Yeah, who who does give a fuck about Mr. Rick and Mr. Morty? I don't know if they have last names. They do, it's Sanchez. They're related? Yeah. Huh? <laughs> yeah, Rick is Rick is his grandpa. I thought that it was like a Doc Brown, Marty McFly situation. (laughs) That's on me. I also, um, fun fact, I didn't know that caves were like real until a week ago. No, less than that. Um, You thought caves? Hold on. (laughs) You thought caves were fake? No, listen, I, okay, I know caves are real. I've been in caves. Um, I just thought that they were, like, rare, 
and that like the possibility of just happening upon a cave was like near impossible and that like in media where people find caves they were exaggerating about how easy it is to find one and then i was in laguna beach um and we were driving through this canyon and there were like caves everywhere on the sides of the canyon i was like where did all of them come from I was like, there's so many caves here. And my friend was like, no, that's a normal amount of caves, Jack. Yeah, you know, see, here's the thing about the Earth. Uh, it gets older, it collapses in on itself in some parts, and thus it creates a cave. I just thought, like, caves and quicksand were the same thing. I'm sorry, hold on. Not the same thing, but, like like emotionally the same thing we're like no. growing up you're like oh quicksand is fucking everywhere um and then no it's not i thought that caves were the same way <laughs> no. you can just find a cave yeah you can the, the statistical what, chance what... of you finding a cave somewhere is so much higher than i thought it was yeah that's why it's dangerous to like go off hiking trails and stuff because there's a bunch of like hills and caves and animals and shit I thought it was dangerous to go off hiking trails because you'll get lost. Yeah, exactly. You'll get lost and run into shit like that. Are caves dangerous? They can be, yeah, because a lot of them are underground. Okay. Hold on. No, you just learned about caves. Uh, let's. No, you just learned about caves. We can't go straight into the underground caves. That would be too much. <laughs> I know that there are underground- I know that caves exist. <laughs> it's not that I just found out about the existence of caves, it's that I found really? out about the frequency Really? Because it feels like it. Really? It feels like it. Feels like it right now. No, I- I've been in caves! <laughs> Port, I've been in caves. Okay. Um, let's get into the episode. The piece of news we're going to lead into this bit with is that in case you were not aware, in case you've been living under a rock for the past week, there is a Dear Evan Hansen movie coming out. Yeah, this is our this is our segue. Um, it's coming out. It's produced by Ben Platt's dad and starring, guess who? Ben Platt. How old is he? 27. How old is the character he's playing? A 16. <laughs> And you want to know how old he looks in that movie? Like five. <laughs> he looks like 40. <laughs> he looks so bad. It's hilarious. I said um, it before in the chat, and I stand by this. He looks like the way they've like set him up, they've like put him in like the theater costume, basically. Yeah. But the way it looks on screen versus very far away on a Broadway stage, up close. It looks like an SNL sketch. Yes. And the wig is not helping. Yeah. Yeah. The big thing that um the criticism, besides everything about it, um, that a lot of people have been saying online is that Dear Evan Hansen is not a show that transfers off stage very easily, um, or even at all. Just like the way that it's structured. Um, I've seen the I saw the tour, but like I've seen a stage production of the show and it relies so heavily on the fact that it is a show, just like the tech of it and the costuming and especially like the acting of most of the people who have played Evan Hansen um, and a lot of the characters. It's like, it's very over the top. It's designed to carry to the back of an audience in a live theater uh, situation. It's not designed to be a film and not only not only are they making it a movie, which it shouldn't be, they're making it an Oscar bait movie. Yeah. If you look at the advertising, they are setting this up to go through the awards uh, circuit in 2022. Yeah. Like they have like Ben Platt doing like the window thing like this. Yeah. Like on the side, like this movie is Oscar bait with a capital O. It's, it's, it's something. Um, uh, and also his love interests uh the one who plays the sister my favorite thing of all this besides people dunking on ben platt for look for looking way too old for the part and getting in the part via nepotism is people learning what dear Evan hansen is actually about yes it's so funny it's great people and the great thing is is that the actress playing zoe 
um, is 23, but looks 16. Like, she's well cast. Uh, yeah. So it makes it extra creepy to yeah. see Ben Platt, who looks like that, going yeah, after she is girl. well cast enough that I got really freaked out for a couple minutes and had to look up the actress's age real quick, because I was like, did they cast this 27-year-old to, like, make out on screen with an underage girl? Um, they didn't, which is great. But we it were sure looks fit. like it, though. It's bad. But yeah, people are just now learning what Dear Evan Hansen is about, and it's so funny. There yeah, are so yeah. many people who thought it was like a gay coming-of-age story. And I was like, oh no. Oh, honey. You got a big storm coming. Um, yeah, but our episode today is um, Jack lists all of his problems with Broadway. <laughs> and uh, Ford comments upon them. See, because here's the thing. I've been very busy for the past week. Every single one of my waking moments has been taken by the blue-coated hardware store. I like my job. It's a good job. However, uh, I have no free time. So Jack so graciously offered to take the reins on this one. Because I am am the resident um, Broadway expert here. I, I like some musicals sometimes. That is my that is my expertise yeah my expertise is that um i went through i went down the musical fandom pipeline in high school um which could have very easily ended up at uh neoliberalism yes it did for a while um but luckily i was in ib history which is a class designed to radicalize you fun fact uh ib european history anyway and then ib world topics uh the point is i am now a communist (laughs) Point is, I know a lot about Broadway. Um, I'm now a communist. <laughs> thanks to Jennifer Harris Clippinger at South Salem High School, I'm now a communist. Um, I really don't think that was her intention, but everyone left that class a commie. Um, anyway, I'm going to talk about Broadway for a while. Uh, the first thing, I guess, is technically news, um, but I have uh, in my hand on my laptop screen a list of the shows that are coming back to broadway um as it reopens in 2021 it is 2021 in october of this year um september october area um the first like big category is basically all of the jukebox shows are coming back if you don't know what a jukebox show is or jukebox musical it's like um they take pre-existing songs that are either from a specific album or made by a specific artist uh and they turn them into a musical somehow um they usually do not go very well in my opinion with the exception of american idiot but i am alone and i will die on that hill alone um so shows like ain't too proud uh american utopia which is excellent but doesn't have a plot so it's fine um mj and jagged little pill which we'll get to um are all coming back uh, also, all of the usual shows like Lion King, Hamilton, Wicked, etc. Six is coming back, um, which is nice. Six is a solid show, in my opinion. Genuinely great musical. Fun, great yeah. music. It's fun. It's great. Um, notably, Hades Town is not coming back. Um, they haven't officially closed Hades Town, as far as I know. Um, but while basically every other big show um has gotten the chance to come back and perform live uh starting in october hades town has not uh i am a little bit angry but not as angry as i am at the changes that were made when hades town went to broadway (laughs) if i'm being honest i'd rather the broadway version of hades town fade into the background and the off-broadway version to come front and center again and maybe this break from the stage is what will make that happen for me i yeah you converted me honestly i i can only exclusively listen to the off-broadway version now i like i heard a clip from epic 3 the broadway version the other day and i genuinely got a little bit nauseous yeah i uh I listen to the music sometimes while I'm like just vibing because it's for me it's like good like lay down and think music in like the best way possible because it's like uh serenity in this music yeah uh but the Broadway version does not do that for my brain I'm like oh what's this this is too Broadway for me 
Bring back the jazz, baby. I want yeah. the weird jazz music. Which we will also talk about later. I have I have notes, their order. <laughs> yeah, um, but Hades Town, uh, it sucks that it's not on Broadway right now, but also no one has to listen to the abomination that is the Broadway soundtrack for Hades Town. Um, so that's great. Uh Mrs. Doubtfire is either opening or coming back in October. Why they decided to make a musical about Mrs. Doubtfire in the year of our Lord 2021, who knows? Who knows? Um I, I probably, probably whoever made it had the same brainworms that led to the creation of Tootsie the musical a few years I'm, back. Um, I was gonna say this as somebody who this is such a weird fact about me, which is that as a child. My favorite movie to watch over and over and over again was Mrs. Doubtfire. I love Mrs. Doubtfire. It is it's just a... um, openly transmisogynist. Yeah. And I'm saying this as somebody who genuinely enjoyed that movie. And definitely not because my parents were divorced and my mom's been divorced three times. And that's caused <laughs> me a lot of mental damage. And that's why I've continued. And that's why I fixated that on that as a child. No, no, no. But that shouldn't exist. No. That should never have existed. Yeah. They should have been smart enough to know that movie cannot exist any other time than the time it was made. It shouldn't have even existed then. Yeah, Mrs. Doubtfire is like, like it's a fun movie. Um, you can't remake it now that people care about trans people a little more. <laughs> you know? The bar is so low. That's bad phrasing, but you know, you get it. The the bar is so low for caring about trans people. Like, if Robin Williams was still alive, I think he would agree. Robin Williams would spit on the Mrs. Doubtfire playbill. I think he... Robin Williams was a cool guy. I think he 100% would have been like, yeah, that movie shouldn't exist, actually. Uh, yeah. Don't make this. Yeah. So, in a weird way, it kind of is disrespectful to Robin Williams' legacy. It is. Um... And then here's the funniest piece of news that I found in my little fact-finding mission today. There is a 1776 revival coming to Broadway in 2022. In January of 2022. I, I predicted that this was going to happen the second Hamilton got like real popular. I was like, oh no, 1776 is going to make a comeback now. And it is. It is. I hate it. It's so what? bad. It's just what? like everyone knows that it's bad it is widely mocked <laughs> i know a lot of musicals are widely mocked but some of them um people mock them and they're still like i understand that this is good i just personally hate it like hamilton um like hamilton is bad in a lot of ways but it is also like an excellent piece of music and writing um 1776 is not <laughs> And they're doing a revival of it. Why couldn't we get a revival of like, uh, gosh, this one isn't on, has never been on Broadway, but it's the one where it's like, a, I can't remember the one, but it's like a, it's, it's a conceptual musical where they like base all the, where they base all the songs up like specific images. I can't remember the name though. I don't know. It's really good. It's the one that, uh, the ballad of Sarah Barry is from. Oh, cool. Um, it's good though. Yeah, so that's what's happening on Broadway right now. Um, or that's what's like coming to Broadway right now. All of these shows are coming to a Broadway that a lot of people have lost com like all of their faith in, um, especially over the last like month and a half with all of the news that has dropped. Um, and I feel like the, the announcing of which shows are coming back and which ones are not um, immediately following all of the things that have happened in the theater world, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Broadway genuinely suffers, um, when it reopens. Like, it's a big tourist attraction. People are still gonna go. I don't think that any, like, shows will be going under or getting canceled early or anything, but I think that, like, Broadway's reputation has been seriously damaged in the last couple months. Um, to name, like, the top controversies that have happened um things have allegations have come out not allegations um what's like a what's the word that's like confirmed allegations what you just said 
Allegations okay. were confirmed. Allegations have been confirmed about um, Broadway producer Scott Rudin, who also produced uh, a lot of things in Hollywood, like The Social Network, about being just, like, violently physically and emotionally abusive to all of his staff members and cast members. Um, he's just, like, a god-awful person. Um, and, like, all of these things have come out. He produced, for context, um, the big play of 2018, which was To Kill a Mockingbird, which he co-produced with Aaron Sorkin, um, who is, uh, the writer of West Wing, if you didn't know. Sorry, my prod is at the cleaners! Along with Along my hoodie and flip-flops, you pretentious douchebag! I've never seen The Social Network, but God do I love Andrew Garfield's line. Okay. Terrible movie. Continue. <laughs> I don't watch The Social Network because I feel like if I did, I would be one of those people who who ships the main character. Oh my god, Mark Zuckerberg X, whatever Andrew Garfield's character's name is. Zuck and Andrew Garfield. Um, <laughs> old, old Zucky. Yeah. And so anyway, Scott Rudin is um a horrible, god-awful trash person. Uh, yeah. And A- um, all of these things have only just recently surfaced. I believe that there was, like, a report that got published, um, but, like, this has been going on forever, and he is, like, one of the biggest producers on Broadway, or he was, um, and it's, it's a thing where Broadway, um, is, is very behind, uh, industries like Hollywood, um, in its, attempts to make itself more inclusive and progressive um a lot of its casting uh processes or like casting biases and a lot of the abuses that actors suffer under producers and directors um would no longer be acceptable in hollywood even though they were like a couple years ago because broadway just doesn't care about people as much and also people don't care about Broadway as much. And so it's like, they don't have as much pressure from the public and also they aren't trying very hard. Um, so Scott Rudin, a uh, trash person. And then like every Broadway celebrity who people care about, their responses were either defending Scott Rudin or doing the like thing where um, that most celebrities do where they're like, oh no, I'm so sorry this happened. I worked with Scott Rudin and he was fine to me, but I'm sorry that you guys felt that he was a bad person. Um, there was one yeah. big person, I think it was Sutton Foster, who like didn't release a statement or anything for like two weeks and everyone was like, Sutton, please. Uh, and then she didn't, it sucked. <laughs> so like, yeah. Um, no Do I cares. finally have a legitimate reason to hate Ben Platt after all this time? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, Everyone has to... I don't know what Ben Platt said about it. Everyone else has to learn my weird celebrity grudge today. It's been Ben Platt this whole time. That's a I better don't... one than Adam Driver. Yeah, uh, I just genuinely dislike Ben Platt for no other reason than the fact that I think he has the most toxic gay energy. <laughs> he has mean theater kid energy. Yeah. I mean, he played Evan Hansen and then that guy in The Politician. Um, that makes sense. He has terrible energy. Yeah. Um, anyway. Also, also Scott Rudin racist. Um, Jeremy O'Harris, who I will talk about in a little bit, uh, called him loudly racist um basically like anyone who works for scott rudin uh or worked for scott rudin um would get physically and emotionally abused the whole time which is a little bit the standard for theater actors um it's like i don't know growing up in theater and meeting like abusive or manipulative directors and having to work with them like everyone just calls it like part of the process and it's really fucked up when you think about it and like i know a lot of people who are going to theater school right now and like everyone is told to just like put up with abuse to become an actor um especially a stage actor i know it also happens in other industries but other industries are working on it a lot harder than broadway is um or like theater in general uh, but theater in general follows the standard of Broadway a lot of times, and it, it's it's bad. 
Um, also, this is like a year old, kind of, um, but Broadway's treatment of its employees during the pandemic was fucking bad. Um, they had to fundraise their own COVID relief. Uh, Broadway had the money to keep giving actors the money that they needed to live, um, and they didn't. And so then the Actors Relief Fund happened and people had to donate money to keep actors alive during the pandemic because their own employers wouldn't do it for them. Uh, you hate to see it. Uh, so those are the like recent problems. Oh, I forgot the other one, um, which is Jagged Little Pill. If you don't know what's been going on with Jagged Little Pill, boy, I will tell you, there's a character in it named Joe. Um, and throughout the entire creation of the show, um, the entire rehearsal process of the show, and in previews, the character Joe used they them pronouns and talked about being non-binary. Um, somewhere in the transition between previews and opening on Broadway, Joe became a cis woman. Um, she's a cis gay woman now, um, and she is on Broadway, which is bad enough. Um, but then, Jaggy Little Pill is on Broadway for a while, and eventually people start being like, hey, wasn't Joe non-binary like a couple months ago? Um, and here's the kicker. The mm -hmm. entire cast and crew decided to gaslight everyone instead of saying that they changed it. Um, really? Yes, That's one of the creators of the show said, quote, she was never anything other than cis. That's not true. Oh, that's a massive cojones on those guys. Yeah, that is just fully not true. Joe used they then pronouns for most of the rehearsal process. I'm guessing someone pulled out the receipts. Uh, yeah. And like, like, they used they then pronouns in previews. People saw it happen. <laughs> like, there was an audience for some of this. Um, and they decided to just be like, no, no, Joe's always been a she, her. We, we don't know what you're talking about. Gaslighting? That's a pretty strong word, babe. Um, anyway, picks up guitar and starts playing. Who, who the fuck is that music from? Wonderwall? No, Jagged Little Pill. I don't uh, remember. Alanis Morissette? Yes. <laughs> picks up guitar and plays Alanis Morissette. Um, also, Jagged Little Pill is just not that great of a show. <laughs> um, but the whole thing with Joe um is one of uh indicative of broadway's biggest problems uh biggest continuing problems which are a that it is still just like incredibly bigoted um in its casting processes um in the shows that it decides to produce and in the fundamental changes that get made to shows to make them like marketable on Broadway specifically. Um, Joe in Jagged Little Pill is a great example where they erased an entire person's gender identity um, to make the show like more palatable for the mainstream audiences that Broadway tries so hard to pander to. Um, again, Town changed so much of the music and lyrics and harmonies to make it um more stereotypical musical theater music instead of the like blues and jazz that it was really based in off broadway and in the concept album which sounds um, so much better yeah and not only is that bad because the music is worse um but it's bad because the reason it used blues music is because it's a really heavy anti-capitalist narrative um, and the fact that they changed it to make it more marketable, <laughs> Jesus Christ, you yeah. know? Like, I've been thinking also, about this for the better part of a year, and I still can't come up with, like, a coherent way to express my opinion because I hate it so much. Also, Reed Carney is not that good. Yeah, like, I like Reed Carney's guy... voice. Um, like, the, but but he's not, like... he's not a good Orpheus. <laughs> Like the guy who played Orpheus, I who was he? The one who played him in the Off Broadway on the soundtrack. I don't, I don't remember. I don't know either. But that dude sounds like a fucking songbird. His mm -hmm. voice is gorgeous. Like he hits those notes. He sounds like he's singing like a whistle. It's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, and people, I don't know. I've talked about this online, and every time I talk about it online, people are like, "Oh, it's because it's because the Off Broadway recording was live, and the Broadway recording was in a studio." 
that doesn't change the fact that there were like fundamental changes in the instrumentation and harmonies and lyrics like the section that they added to wait for me sounds bad it sounds like the new 21 pilots music um oh, i forgot to mention <laughs> the part where in, t- in 21 pilots uh there was a, po- a portrait of tyler joseph that was in the Capitol for a bit epic so- uh yeah the epic three of the broadway cast album um has the same energy as homie just sued me <laughs> i'll be real uh okay so there's that um there's also just like more than anything there's just rampant racism and fat phobia in broadway um they they only cast it's this it's the thing that happens in a lot of shows where like white people are seen as a racial and like the default um and Dear so God. like the only reason that people of color get cast in broadway shows is either they're playing a character of color who is like their entire identity revolves around being a person of color or um the producer of the show is trying to do something like different and radical they're trying to make a statement with this show um and they do a bad job because they're just casting for diversity points and they're still subjecting people of color to racist abuse on stage uh and behind the scenes it's bad um and then there's also this um really uh common thing that happens on broadway where there are roles written for fat white women um that rely so heavily on vocal blackface um if you see like a fat white woman in a show um they are going to be like riffing so much and using so much vocal blackface because the only way that fat women are seen as talented um in the world of theater is if they're just like crazy vocally talented like no other part of their talent or um career as an actor matters except like vocal show off things essentially um and it's bad i've heard people on tiktok talk about it uh who like have lived that experience and it sucks um yeah what else do i have to talk about uh yes the going back what were you gonna say just god do they hate do they hate fat people and uh people of color especially black people yes god they usually fat people are the comedic relief um i don't know if i've talked about my hell experience watching a production of mamma mia you told me about this in detail yeah but i watched this high school production of mamma mia that had two groups of ensemble um people and they're they were so clearly divided by weight um and it was to the point where in the wedding scene of mamma mia all of the ensemble girls were lined up in order of weight uh in the pews of the church for the wedding scene um and that's just like normal in theater it's so fucked up and again broadway like kind of sets the standard i know that theater is toxic everywhere in a lot of ways um but like I don't know. It is very much a top-down thing, in my opinion, um, what fundamental changes get made to the world of theater. Um, mm-hmm. And Broadway just doesn't doesn't do much to improve itself. Um, also, closing shows early that have worked against the commercialization of Broadway or um, having those shows have real short runs. Um, the run for Slave Play was only 17 weeks. Um, and that was one of the most radical pieces of theater that has come to Broadway in a very long time. Um, tickets were kept super low prices um, instead of the exorbitant prices that Broadway has usually had. Um, and it was like a real good show. It was a real good piece of anti-racist theater. Thank you, Jeremy O'Harris. Um, and it had a 17 week run as opposed to shows which usually have multiple year runs. Oops um also great comet uh was a super boundary pushing show um that didn't use the stereotypical broadway sound or broadway plot format and that also had a painfully short run um very experimental yeah dave like i personally don't like also sorry it lost to it lost to fucking dear evan hansen yeah it did 
So did Come From Away. Come From Away is one of my favorite shows of all time. I don't uh, like Great Comet very much, but I do have so much respect for Dave Malloy as a composer, um, and he deserves more recognition, but he's not going to get it because he's not writing shows the way that Pasek and Paul are. Um, Fucking Joe Iconis over here. Fucking Joe Iconis over here. Yeah, it's this thing where, like, Broadway pretends that it is, like, cutting edge because it is slightly lesser known than Hollywood. Um, And so they're like, ooh, we're pushing boundaries. We're great. But then it is trying so hard to be Hollywood in so many ways, Um, which is my my next thing, where it's, like, Broadway, especially recently, just is constantly using the film world or the like mainstream music world to just like give itself clout as much as possible. Something that makes me so irrationally mad are celebrity Broadway runs, like Hugh Jackman's Music Man, uh, Brendan Urie's Kinky Boots, stuff like that. Because it's like, there are actual theater actors, stage actors who like are starving um, because no one will cast them because casting is so biased. And Hugh Jackman, who is a film actor, it's different. Acting for stage and screen, I've done both. They're incredibly different. And Hugh Jackman could just like waltz into the music man as the main character. No, <laughs> cast an actual stage actor who needs it. Um, I hate it. I hate it so much. It's the same thing with uh, famous musicians who get to play the leads in musicals because they think it would be fun or because <laughs> it'll it'll help like expand their image and reach as a musician. It's fucking disgusting. Just cast Brendan actual Yuri. talented stage actors. I'm sorry, Brendan Yuri. I'm getting I'm getting a cough uh, about <laughs> Brendan Yuri. Because uh, he makes me furious now looking back on it. His run of Kinky Boots, it makes me mad. Because he's like, this was such a learning experience for me. Yeah. It's, there's this thing where, like, once you get to a level of fame, there's this assumption in casting directors that you will just be good at everything. Or not that you'll be good at everything, but that everything you do will be considered good because you're famous. Um, And so it's, like, people who shouldn't have music careers do um, because they got their start acting. um, And everyone is just like, oh, you're a famous actor, which means your music will sell or, like, vice versa. Um, and there are people who do it well. Um, I think Janelle Monae is a great actress, but like she got her start in music and then she was allowed to use her fame from music to act. Um, and there are like probably actors who are more talented and do the exact same things as Janelle Monae does um, that aren't gonna get cast because they weren't already famous. Um, it's just, it's all nepotism at this point. Um, and I, I hate nepotism so much, and I hate cross-industry nepotism even more. It's awful. Um, no, thank you. Also, um, just uh, broad- Broadway commercialization annoys me so much because almost every musical that has come out in the last, like, five or ten years has been either an adaptation or a jukebox musical. Um, And as I've said, jukebox musicals are typically bad because you start out with the music before you start out with the plot. And you're just like hinging together all of these songs that weren't designed to tell a cohesive story. um, And you're trying to make them into one and it never works. The reason American Idiot works is because it was already a concept album. It already had clear characters and a storyline. It's so weird to me that people don't do like concept albums for jukebox musicals. Like Welcome to the Black Parade, that could be a jukebox. Welcome to the Black Parade. Oh, I, so, so much of my life has been sunk into thinking about a Danger Days musical. That could work too. You know why? Because it has a plot. Because it has a plot. It already has characters. Jagged Little Pill didn't work because you're trying to just string a bunch of Alana Morissette songs together and make it a story. It's not a story. I desperately want to like sit down a bunch of directors into an American pop uh, history of pop music class Yeah, because maybe then they would realize the importance of the concept album and why the oh wow because you can't just keep choosing random albums. Yeah. Concept albums exist 
and they do so and there's such a big reason why the music industry is where it is today yeah and yeah and it's like i don't know i don't even like you could come up with your own plot lines yeah <laughs> like the musicals that aren't jukebox musicals are all like based on movies and i don't know it's very He's annoying called- the shows that i've liked um in the last several years have been shows that don't do that and even then they're heavily based on other things like come from away is based on a true story hades town is based on greek myths but it's different you know it's because it's own life yeah it's like you're taking you're taking like structures that already exist and turning them into your own narrative and characters like need we talk about fun home fun home took that concept and fucking like they made it so brilliant with yeah. their interpretation of small Allison, middle Allison, and, and adult Allison. Brilliant. Incredible work. That was interesting. It tells the story. It feels intimate. And you forget that the source material existed because to you, this is this is its own thing. Yeah. And, and like the point. Yeah. And Fun Home like follow the source material really consistently i feel like with the yeah. like small middle large allison but like i don't know it it did something new with it and i feel like shows like i also think matilda did that too where it's like Agreed. you take the source material and you do something different um but a lot of movie musical movies i guess um are like musicals based on movies it feels more like a hollywood remake of something where you just like recast it and change some of the aesthetics and you're like it's a new movie now no it's not yeah the only <laughs> one i can think of thing. the only one that i can think of that really did that and like really same committed, thing, bitch, just different shapes yeah the only one that actually committed to making like a musical hilariously was beetlejuice yeah beetlejuice <laughs> can stay um beetlejuice made a whole new plot basically yeah. some some of the same touchstones Different yeah, Beetlejuice plot. did what what Hades Town did, where it like took a well known story, and then it was like, "Fuck this story! I'm gonna make a new one. <laughs> I'm gonna make one I want." Yeah, and, and it's gonna like, be great. And I'm like, "Yes, it is great. Thank you. I will now be listening to this every day." Yeah, but shows like I don't know. I don't feel like Charlie and Chocolate Charlie and the Chocolate Factory did that. I really don't feel like Tootsie did that. Nope. I don't know. It's there, it's not great. So many. Um, are just failures yeah and then there's this like thing where like the the best thing that can happen to a musical is that it gets turned into something else like dear Evan hansen got super successful and so they turned it into a novel and now a movie and the novel adds a little bit more flavor to connor's backstory but doesn't do anything new and the movie is gonna suck because it's starring a 27-year-old and they're taking this show that can't transfer off stage and turning it into an Oscar bait movie. Yeah, I mean, like, people are Ernie clowning him. How do you think this is gonna go? Yeah, it's... Ugh, I don't like it. Um, and then, yeah, and then my final complaint is um, the Broadway attitude towards bootlegs because broad... Mm, Maybe it, there's there's this like total cognitive dissonance in the world of Broadway where they're like we we're so revolutionary in our theater artwork that we are going to make our shows accessible to everyone, um, but then they're only accessible if you can fly to New York and pay upwards of four hundred dollars uh, for a ticket. Um, th- need we talk about need cannot do about- that. <laughs> Need we talk about the great Hamilton scarcity of 2015? Yeah, the vast majority of people cannot do that. All they can do is listen to the soundtracks. Um, unless it's a sing-through, you're not going to get the plot. I didn't know the plot of Dear Evan Hansen until I, like, watched a bootleg. Um, and I had listened to the soundtrack, like, a million times at that point. Because they cut songs out of the soundtracks, and they don't give you any of the dialogue. You don't know what's happening. You only know what people are singing about. Um, and usually songs and musicals don't contribute to the plot unless they're sing-throughs. So like people get really hooked on the music and like what they know about these characters and then they have no way of watching it because Broadway professionally records all of their shows and then doesn't release them. And not everyone can afford a Broadway HD subscription. Um, it's, it's god awful. The times where they've done 
pro shoot releases into movie theaters it's gone so well the falsettos pro shoot release oh they made so much money off of that when it was available on amazon oh my god the the newsies pro shoot release in theaters i went and saw it i cried i wept openly in my friend simon's arms it was great um <laughs> it's like there are so many things they can do to make their shows accessible but they don't do them and then they get mad when other people do the work for them yeah like people record bootlegs and release them not to like steal broadway's money or to like do a little middle finger at the at the theater industry they do it because they know that people want to see these shows and can't yeah exactly the times like every time i go to like a good show or like a prestigious show i'm like oh they're like i should try to film this i never do but it's like oh i have friends who who don't have the same opportunities as me and i want them to see this show i know they really yeah. like it so like i should exactly. film it um if Broadway keeps this shit up for much longer, I might start making slime tutorials. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> might fuck around and make a slime tutorial if Broadway doesn't get its shit together. I mean, we live pretty close to New York. We do. So. Also, Boston is one of the places where they hold previews. I think. Yeah. No, I think it's DC. Hell, we, I don't know. We may go to, hell, we may go to New York this spring break, so. Yeah. I never mind. We don't have to talk about our spring break plans on air right now. We'll we'll get back to that in about 15 minutes. Yeah. Um the last thing, the last thing that I want to say um as a little as a little chaser for my my shot of pure hatred, pure vitriol um, is I have I have people who you should support um and things at the theater community and industry as a whole uh is doing pretty well in my opinion um specific people starting off with specific people jeremy o'harris is the writer of slave play um he is doing an amazing job he's doing a lot of really cool actually radical theater work um and he's also doing a great job of using his position as a respected person in the broadway community to call out the bigotry in the broadway community um he has a tiktok account that is fantastic he does live streams where he writes um i love him uh also on tiktok is the user uh not kristen bell who is um a radical dramaturge which means that she like analyzes shows from like a like a leftist perspective and like tells you how you can make shows and the theater industry more progressive um and she's also does a really good job of like explaining the things that are happening in the theater industry right now she's the person that i found out about joe's character in jagged little pill and scott rudin from um so i'd highly recommend giving her a follow um i love her she does look exactly like kristen bell um it's great and then uh theater like companies um anyone who uh does anything with theater of the oppressed it's this theater philosophy um, that I have been obsessed with since my sophomore year of high school. Um, it, like, does, the, the concept is that you do theater with, um, non-actors as a way of, like, acting out situations where you're overcoming oppression or, like, dismantling oppression, um, and then, like, the fact that you've worked through them in a theater context gives you the tools to work through them in a real-life context. It's very excellent um i've i've i spent most of high school teaching workshops in it it's fucking great uh please support anyone who does work with theater of the oppressed or augusto bawal who invented it um also anyone who's doing devised works um i think devising is like the most mainstream way of creating radical theater because like the whole process is collaborative you're not gonna be suffering abuse at the hands of a director because there is no director. Um, and also a lot of the companies, their shows are focused around uh, oppression and disparities in the world and stuff. Uh, my two favorite companies are Complicite and Deviate. Deviate, I believe, does not create stuff anymore, but the stuff that they have, mwah, I love it. Um, it's beautiful. 
Okay. Uh, then, just like any theater company that is supporting up-and-coming playwrights, um, I know the Flea Theater in New York. It's off-Broadway. Um, they're great. They are where I saw my favorite play and my favorite production of all time, um, which was Leap in the Net Will Appear. That's my program from it on my wall right there. It's very oh, yeah. long. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, please support organizations like that monetarily or spiritually um and then last but not least just like support local theater more than broadway um stop caring about an industry uh probably miles away from you that would probably bully you if you worked for them <laughs> that's what i got very insightful thank you i feel like i did a good job complaining you did do a great job complaining. Thank you. I think it says a lot that the episode where you were the only one talking, um, you were talking about how much you love animation, and this time I was the one talking about how much I fucking hate theater. <laughs> the funny thing is, I I was talking about how much I love animation, but we were both complaining about the industry and the way it and the way it hurts its creators in yeah. such an active way. It's... It's it's tough to be an artist in the year of our Lord 2021. Good thing we're all going to art school. <laughs> oh, we're a fucking embarrassment. Oh, God. I was at lunch with um, several staff members of my parents' church today. Don't ask why. Um, and someone was like, what are you, what are you doing, Jack? What do you want to do for a career? And I was like, oh, I podcast. Um, I edit and host several podcasts. Um, and they were like, that's not a real thing that people do. <laughs> we had like a 20 minute conversation that was me explaining that like, no, people do this. Have they not heard of like My Favorite Murder, which is like currently the most successful podcast ever made? Behind I don't Joe know, Logan? man. He teaches high school chemistry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, do you have any recommendations? I do. Lil Nas X's new song, specifically go watch the music video because he's an artist. Uh, Sun Goes Down by Lil Nas X. Go watch the music video. He has a, it's a beautiful, as per usual, as all his work is. Yeah. Because he just has such a solidified aesthetic and i was saying this in the pre-show and i stand by it years from now the way that we see people imitating black artists especially black queer artists i.e like prince and the like yeah and like imitating the likes of uh artists like that in the 80s and like imitating them now we're going to see people imitating lil nas x because he is that talented yeah you're right um i will go listen to a song oh my god i'll listen to it in the car while i'm driving to get pizza it'll be wonderful um i would like to recommend something in the wake of um the the spike in six of crows enjoyers and shadow and bone watchers um at least in my social circles um which is the museum of thieves or the Keepers trilogy, the first book is called Museum of Thieves by Leanne Tanner. Um, it's a middle reader trilogy. It came out several years ago, um, but it is so epic. It's excellent. Um, the basic concept is that this girl lives in a world where um, children are chained to their parents until the age of 12 um, because there there be monsters, uh, both human and non-human. Um, and this one girl manages to run away um, and she runs away to a museum that is alive. Um, and while living there, she makes friends with Toadspit, who transed my gender, um, and several fun and quirky uh, middle reader parental figure characters, you know, the like, um, and the museum itself. Also, I think they accidentally released the Civil War into their town at one point, because everyone, like, the entire Civil War is just in this museum somehow. I don't know. It's very good. Um, it is the book that A, trans my gender, and B, uh, made me a surrealist. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's very excellent. 
Um, the second and third books, well, the third book is not as great, but the first two, fucking fantastic. Would would recommend. Um, because they're middle reader, they're very easy, quick reads. Uh, yeah, Keeper's Trilogy, Leanne Tanner. Uh, any final thoughts, Stanford? Uh, as per usual, uh, capitalism is a nightmare, and every day we continue to support mainstream media. Uh, we remember that there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. So we just change try- the title of the show to Left Warm Takes. Yeah. There is no ethical consumption of art under capitalism, so all you can simply do is enjoy art with a conscious mind. And what more can you really do besides that in supporting creators who who you know are trying to just get a start in this hellish world? Yeah. Aside from that, have a good day, everybody. All right. I would like to leave you with um this is an audio format so none of you care but by next week i think i'll have a giant delicatessen poster right there on my wall new background for me to look at picture it um on a man's severed head in oil paints right there i'm picturing it i can see it my mind's eye all right i'm gonna go get pizza all right goodbye goodbye let me stop the recording